Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. Rich and I are going to talk about Pacific trading cards, specifically their baseball sets from the late 80s up through about 2000. I don't know if they had a 2001 set. They may have had some 2001 sets. But again, during that period, straddling, actually coming in, well, an interesting ride that Mike Kramer, as owner of the Pacific Trading Cards brand, had up in Seattle area and a friend of ours, but no longer in the hobby and Pacific. I guess some of the brands are still kept alive as happens with these brands, but the original Pacific trading cards is, is no more. I think bankrupted in the early 2000s when they lost their licenses, but got three card companies who have not lost their licenses and in fact are hopefully thriving in this market. Tops Panini Upper Deck plus Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Heritage Auctions, Huggins Scott Auctions. Comsi.com and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. Pacific Rich, I think they have done a bunch of different things. And it's the, uh, would it be safe to say it's the only card company that was begun by a collector other than Brian Gray? Well, how about obviously Brian Price when he, he and Brian Price. But I think the thing with Mike, also, don't forget Upper Deck was part of, you know, part of, there were collectors involved in the beginning. Bill Hamrick. Yeah. yeah. I think the thing with Mike, is as we've both knew Mike for many years. You know him longer than you know I knew him, him before. Yeah, I knew him from the seventies. And Mike was always very innovative. Yes, he was innovative as long as Pacific had a license. He was innovative. He'd always come up with interesting things. Right. He came up with a way by having Spanish on the cards of getting an MLB license, getting the licenses that way. Some of his insert sets are remarkably groundbreaking. Are groundbreaking. Yeah, um, the die cutting. The, what, my favorite among those is the Christmas ornaments. I don't like those, but uh, I know what you're saying. Those were loved at the time. He also was one of the first to do a really good job serially, serial numbering the cards. There were serial, there were a couple sets. Like, there's a pit. Actually, he did that serial numbering several different ways. Yes. There were, and I don't know if he had different printing places. Some of them were embossed on. Some of them were etched in or had different kinds of ways to receive the numbering. But And they're in different places on the cards. So there was, in other words, he was he took a fresh approach to everything. And finally, he was knocking on the door of baseball, even though he was doing these other sets. He wanted a baseball license, and they kept... They actually wouldn't even talk to him. They wouldn't even return his calls. And he'd go show up in New York and say, give me a chance. And then finally, like I said, I think finally they gave him... Okay, uh, are you willing to do some marketing for us in the Hispanic market? And he said, give me me a shot. And the thing is, Mike had already been doing football sets for a couple years. He already, he understood print. He, he, it's like he was a Renaissance man. He basically, it was, he he was very hands-on with every aspect. Took the photos. He was, I'm sure he did the press checks and, and had a a lot of gadgets and equipment type stuff in his office. It's funny you mentioned Renaissance man and Mike Kramer because he's now an artist, a bit of an artist as he's in his, we'll call it quote retirement phase. He does art stuff and he's very talented at that. I remember, uh, you know, last time I was up at his house, he has this, uh, he had this, not a warehouse, but he had this other building that housed his uh, military uniform and uh, paraphernalia collection, and that's what he does which was pretty spectacular. He, all the sports stuff was, was at the office, I think, but his passion, these 17th century uniforms. Still is, by the way. <laughs> yeah. So, and but I'm not sure he went to college. Now, I, I don't think to, he did. I have enough degrees for several people, but he was a lifelong learner. And so he earned, he got his stake by doing, depending on who you talk to, either King Salmon or King Crab, or he'd go up for six months on the, on these uh, very intense fishing boats and make uh, more than a year's worth of, of wages for what I think is pretty dangerous work. He had huge forearms, not freakishly, but he just was a very strong guy. I played golf with him a few times and 
He wasn't a great golfer, but gosh, he just, when he bust on the ball, would go a long way because he just, he was used to throwing fish around and being on these, on these big boats up in Alaska. And did, he went to the Pacific offices. I, yeah, I just, yeah. yeah. Weren't they almost as cool as our offices at Beckett with all the stuff hanging Cooler, up? cooler, because okay. they had these drawers full of cards okay. that were, that were all tough cards. And our drawers full of cards were easy cards <laughs> in most cases. Well, I never saw the drawers uh, of cards. I just looked at the walls. I they were replacements. And in fact, I think that's, you know, kind of, they got in some tr- uh, trouble toward the end, I think, when there was some question about the authenticity of some of the autographs and things like that. And there was also a question because they had a Manny Ramirez back card that had a, the stuff on it that makes the balls go further, the yeah, cork. cork and Manny Ramirez was a good hitter, but if you give him cork on a bat, he became a, a, from a great hitter to, oh, wait a second, this guy is really good. Manny be Manny. Manny be Manny. Manny really be Manny. <laughs> the first time I ever went to the Pacific headquarters was 1992. Yeah. You probably had been up there already. but I, I think so, yeah. But I went there. I had a show trip to Seattle. All the people there were nice. Yes. He hired nice people. So did you for them. <laughs> I tried to, but I'm just saying he really did. It was, it had a little bit of a family uh, aspect, at least in the office I was in. It seemed like they had 20 or 30 employees. Yeah. Is that your recollection? Yep. Something like and that. And his brother was a key employee. Yeah. And if the, the thing is, we say it's a really cool office and taking people in a totally different place. When I stayed at that trip, I stayed at a place called the Redmond Inn on that specific show trip. Redmond, right. yes. 20 some odd years later, when I went to Comsey headquarters for the first time in 20, in 2000 and, 14, I think it was. And you stayed in the same place? I stayed in the same place. I actually was in the Redmond in the weekend it opened in 1992. And so when they told me where I was staying and then I get to the hotel, it's like, I've been in this hotel before. Nobody could believe it. I said, no, I was in this yeah. hotel in 1992, the weekend you opened. How do you know? Because I recognized the exit. I recognized all the stores up, up and down the block. And it was a really cool area. And But I loved going to the Pacific office. But one thing Mike also did, and I don't know if you could even think about getting away with this today. There was a store, a Pacific Trading Card storefront on the side. Or, or catty coin. It was like an L shape or something. There was a storefront and then there was the back offices. And the storefront, I think, might have been a little bit separate. But the thing is, if you're going tops, the famous tops test stores of the 60s, mm-hmm. which I've talked about because I guess the Hoban's down was, the street from me in New Jersey was a test store for tops in 68 and 69 because I had some of those test issues. Yeah. Um, but if you're going to test something, what's the best way to test your products? in a retail atmosphere that you can control that you can control yeah. and if you think about it, that's absolutely brilliant marketing i think his he like i said i don't and i'm not saying this in any negative way i think the fact that he didn't have classic marketing degree or management degree meant he would ask why do we have to do it that way i think we could do it this way and a lot of the innovations that he brought to this other companies have now have adopted but he would tell me that major league baseball and 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 football and hockey were not as accepting of some of his ideas i don't know if he just went and did some of these things i think he actually did some things and asked for asked for forgiveness rather than permission but he brought a lot of innovation to it just and because I think sometimes that's the way you get stuff done. You do it and then you say, oh, by the way, sorry, but I thought this was a way to do it. So I wanted to try. It. And I've seen uh, reporting on this about he that he he people were saying that he became a photographer so he could to save money. I, I don't think that was the case at all. I think he loved being close to the action, just like the, the fisherman that he was. He wants to be right there. And so he would do these gigs. He would go to the he'd have a, a, a photographer pass to go work the sideline of a football game. Talk about fun. I'll disagree with you slightly. He actually did say in some of the meetings we had with Pacific, that was a side benefit of being a photographer, was that then he didn't have to pay for the photos then. 
and photos are. I think that's a way side benefit. I think you're right. But I'm not denying. He, uh, this is a guy that had a spectacular collection before he did any Pacific trading card stuff. He had uh, millions of cards before he started the company. And I, I actually. He, I, when I first met him in the seventies, he was talking about, I just, he said, I just, I just want to have all the cards. He's probably pretty close to my age. He is very close to your age. Yeah. He might be. I think he's a year older, give or take. He might be. Yeah. I think he's. Anyways, but I'm just saying, he just, he just, I want to have but, all the cards. But, you know, and what, how he did that is back in the seventies, he would get remainders from tops and he would say, send me all you want to send me. Now I don't know where he kept them all, but he had a bunch of stuff. He had a Wagner. He had, he bought a Wagner after he owned the company. Well, he did well enough owning the company where he could afford a Wagner. I think he did. I think he did well for a while, but... But I, I tell you, we're talking about that. Do you remember? He had another f- hobbyist slash photographer who also sent photos in to Pacific. Do you remember who it was? The guy had actually created some sets in the 70s. Rob Roder? No. Jack Wallen. Oh, Jack, yeah. Jack did some 81 Donners too, didn't he? Yes. Yeah. And the thing with Jack is Jack also did these really cool 79 diamond great yeah. set and a football set right. designed to send the cards to the players to be autographed. They were all living... And what oh, he would right, do, or right, most right. of the players were living in some of the sets. And so you could, and he figured out a way. He had, in fact, I almost bought a bunch of those from him back in the, in the seventies or late, very late. So it must have been 79 or were those 78 sets. Yeah. The, Diamond, I believe Diamond Great's is 79, but I think yeah. he did stuff before yeah. that too. Yeah. And with some of the sets, he'd send you all the addresses he had for the players right. and you could then send the cards to the players or you could use that to get the addresses and send other cards to the players. Okay. So you're Mike Kramer and it's the year it's in the nineties or it's 2000 ish. If you could go back and. <laughs> Tell him, hey, here's what you need to do to, to survive. Was there any way the demise of Pacific could have been avoided? Because when I look at back at some of those sets and some of the innovations, I think oh, those are cool. When I'm looking through a dollar box, I'm seeing some of those will pop out. I think, hey, that's, uh, again, low supply, low demand, but really interesting. I think. Or was it inevitable? I think we saw Fleer go out a few years later after Mike Kramer. And Fleer had a guy who owned Rite Aid at the time. And so you talk about somebody with really deep, supposedly deep pockets. And if they couldn't survive, then Mike Kramer, I think the only thing I might have said, Mike, is instead of trying all these different sets, just do one or two bigger sets and just... That's what I was thinking. I mean, the the, the photos, there's so many things he did that were, I won't say they weren't cost effective, but they were innovative. They had to be more expensive than what some of the other players in the industry were doing. He had more color variation. He had the rainbows before that was even a thing, I think. He was very into the serial numbering and uh, color there's, variations. There's one the, Pacific Prisms baseball set where pebbly dots and, and circular and like 12, 14 yeah. different. It's like when I was an analyst, that's one set. I, I, unless the card was serial numbered, I didn't even bother because I couldn't figure out what they were. They're on Com C. Someone yeah, I don't, it's hard, I, yeah, it's when hard they, to when, see them. When they show up in my things, I, I just send them to somebody who has better eyes than I do to look on them. <laughs> yeah, I think it's... Yeah. Uh, and, uh, in fact, I was IDing before I came down here a bunch of Pacific cards today from the 90s. And I will tell you that you have to really pay attention to Pacific, to all the Pacific stuff when you ID cards. Tell your friends in Redmond that that's true. Basically, whether it's red or copper is, is hard to detect. And it ought to be what I realized when I, one of the times talking to Tim about ComC is that the card ID people in Redmond are also probably looking at a scan. We are. Instead of looking at the real card. If they were looking at the real card, they would easily know. But the real card has been filed away, and you're dealing with a pretty high-res scan. But it's unless they've got spectacular monitors, which they probably have maybe well, better than we have. You've seen my monitor. You've been in my have office. A decent monitor. I have a pretty decent monitor. Yeah. You've seen my monitor. It's yeah. not as good as it was probably when you first saw it four years ago, but it's a decent monitor. That's, again, Pacific. Again, in this day and age when products, complexity, that the complexity of a product is a positive, 
that's a, the Pacific was ahead of its time. I did, I may have told you about this. I went to, uh, I'm now disclosing some of these estate sales that I've been to over the years. I went to the one a number of years ago and there were all these uh, seemingly unopened boxes and I, and they were marked really cheap. And I thought, this is what a bargain. So I started putting them, and then I started opening up the box and realizing every pack had been opened. But it's Pacific. Checked and then put back in. But it's and Pacific. It, and, and, and a bunch of them were Pacific. And I thought, I'm, what am I getting? And so basically the best one or two or three cards in the box had been removed, but there were still some parallels in there. There were still some interesting cards, but no game used, no autographs, which I don't think Pacific did a lot. They, did, they didn't do a ton. The autographing was very selective with their, their special players that they had a relationship with. So I will, tell you, I will tell you that if you have the Pacific parallels a lot of times, those cards are probably tougher to find than the autographs. So you probably did very well with the parallels yeah. compared to the autographs. Well, they were taking the, they, they were looking for an autograph. They're looking for a game used, they, anything that was thicker. And so something that would be just a parallel. And so that's. Well, speaking of estate, estate sales, remind me sometime we'll talk about the time Dan and I went to Tech Shram's estate sale. We'll do that. Uh, thanks, Rich. Thanks, listeners. Uh, thanks, Pacific, for giving uh, many collectors for a long time some enjoyment. We, we wish Mike, our friend Mike Kramer, and, uh, and again, that was, uh, those were the good old days. The man-